what you want, when you want it, where you want it. This is The Mesh. Brothers in Tech is a weekly podcast focused on personal and home technology, helping provide you, our fellow brothers and sisters in tech, with some information, assistance, and recommendations. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Brothers in Tech here on the Mesh.TV podcast network. Nothing like just jumping in here hot, Brian. I, uh... <laughs> By hot, does that mean unprepared? <laughs> Maybe a little unprepared. Maybe getting a two-minute uh, before showtime curveball thrown at me. Uh, it's all good. I mean, look, this is live. This Love is it. live podcasting. This is why we do what we do. It fuels us. It keeps us going. Uh you know, if it wasn't live, I would have had way too much time to prepare and it just wouldn't be quite as natural and in the moment as I think the show is going to be tonight because of that. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, because usually you're incredibly prepared and <laughs> Absolutely. this is going to be a different, yeah. This is going to be a very different kind of show. Um, no, actually, it's going to be exactly like Yeah, I was going to say, we notice my sarcasm, right? <laughs> notice my sarcasm. All right. Well, my name is uh, Alan Jackson. This is Brian Jackson to my right on the video screen. If you're watching us, if you're listening, uh, we're not in stereo, so you're not going to hear one on one side, one or the other, although that is a really cool idea. for. When are we going to do that? Spatial, spatial audio. Spatial brothers and tech brothers and surrounding tech. you. Yeah. And a wall of sound. We're not quite there yet. So uh, instead, we are here to talk about technology. We get together every week. We talk tech. Uh, we talk uh, personal technology, home technology, whether it's uh, software that you're using, whether it's uh, gadgets and tools, whether it's home automation, anything kind of bouncing around, especially in the Mac and Apple world is kind of where our, our, our interest and passions lie. But that's where we like to talk about some ideas and trying to help people out there make better use of the technology that surrounds them right now in their home or with their families. And uh, Brian today is, is a, uh, is always kind of something we look forward to every month. It's kind of our, we get through the other episodes just to get to this episode. <laughs> is that, is that kind of the way we look at it? So it's exactly right. Especially when we're prepared, but even right. when we're not, I think we still look forward to this. <laughs> oh, we absolutely this is the fun. Um, this is the fun episode. This, this is our bits episode and for those who are not down with the acronyms uh, bits is our brothers in tech suggestions B I T S. That is where we come up with a couple of suggestions to share with you of some things that are, could be a gadget, could be a tool, could be a website, could be an app, could be a home automation device, anything, anything in that lump of category of tech we're here to recommend for you and suggest and in most all situations, there are things that you and I have either started using or have been in contact using. Sometimes we'll throw out a suggestion of something we're experimenting with, maybe testing, but we want to go ahead and give a kind of an early uh, recommendation on. Um, it's also a good time, Brian, if there are any suggestions that are have been made in recent months that we need to retract or we need to um, <laughs> clarify in any way because maybe we were misguided with our suggestion. Oops. This is also kind of yeah. a me culpa time to do that and kind of uh, back backtrack on any of those uh, recommendations that we maybe didn't think through quite as well we, as we should have in the past. So right off the bat, do you have any of those to share or are you pretty <laughs> confident with all of your with all your recommendations? Up to this no, point. I can't say I'm really confident in all of my uh, recommendations. I was going back through and looking at, you know, 
what are the apps that I'm currently using and thinking back about some of the apps that I've recommended in the past and maybe aren't using anymore. I will just mention one app, Alan, because you, you, and I can't remember who else was on the show with us at the time, but I did a, I did a bit um, on something called time T Y M E. Yep. And if you remember that, that was a timekeeper uh, mm-hmm. where you could kind of, click it on and saying, I'm working on this task and stop it a little later. You can do automated and thank you all, you you and whoever else it was, I can't remember at the time, um, said, oh, we'd love to see if you're actually still using that in a few months. Um, still using it every day. So that one I'm very happy about. I'm still using that every single day um, and have some, and the only reason I'm probably still using is because I did set up those automations. So just a quick reminder, this was where, you could go in and say, you know, if you have, let's say, three different projects that you're working on, maybe three consulting gigs that you're doing, and you want to keep track of the time that you're working on each of those tasks. Um, I mean, the, the easy way has always been in the past, or I should say cumbersome way, but the simple way has been just keeping track on Excel. Hey, I worked at this hour, this hour, and then adding them up. So this does that for you, but it also creates billing where you can say, how much am I charging per hour on each of those tasks? And it will calculate that for you. Um, Brian, the, yeah, it, remind that, me the spelling of this one. T-Y-T-Y-M-E. T-Y-M-E. T-Y-M-E. Time. And I think no, it's I just, time I, three, maybe? Three. I want yeah, to bring this up. Three. I see it. Okay. Yeah. So here we go. This is the the app you're talking about that you're still using, which I'm I think is using. important to kind of note. Um, yep. Let's see here. Here we go. Okay. Yeah. So this is it. Yep. This is it. Yep. And I remember I, you I'll walked you, us through a little demo yeah. of this. And uh, yeah. And, and, I, and just looking back at it, I, I I knew at the time that that was a bit of a stretch for me to think that I would continue to do it and be regimented about it. But I will I will kind of urge anyone who's interested in using a, a tool like this, take some time at the beginning to set up automation uh, so that. For example, I work at a particular company that whenever I go to their office, I have it noticed by you know GPS and says, if I get anywhere close to this office, start my time or ask me even, I think it has asked me, would you like to start time? And would you like to start you know tracking a particular task? And I say, mm-hmm. oh yes, thank you. Thanks for the reminder. Uh, it also has the watch, as you can see there, the, the watch is really helpful. Um, it's a little quirky in that sometimes you can start something on the watch and the phone doesn't recognize that something started, but they do tend to sync up eventually. Um, but just having, you know, a notice on your watch that says, hey, your, your timer's still going. And maybe when you go to lunch, you know, you shut your computer, go to lunch, come back. Usually you open up the computer and it'll put a little message that said, hey, I see you haven't been working on the computer since this time when you closed your computer. Do you want to keep the time going or do you want to mm-hmm. stop it there and start a new one? And it's like, oh, thank you. That's lunch. So stop and start a new one. So yeah, I'm I'm actually really happy I, I went with this. Uh, I know there's others, and I think I went over a couple of others uh, when I when I mentioned this one as a as a pick. Uh, and I did pay for this one. This one is uh, one that there are free versions out there, but I think it was worth paying a little extra to uh, to get this version. So a so lot it's of good a, features. It's a monthly, it's a monthly uh, subscription. I program. think I paid for a year, if I'm not mistaken. I think you can okay. pay if you go down a little bit, you might be able to pay for a year. Um, 
That must or, have just yeah, been a Brian Jackson special. It could have yeah. been. It could have been. Yeah. All right. Oh, there you go. Well, Save twenty five percent about the annual subscription. So I okay. think it's I think it's three dollars. Uh, so it's thirty six dollars for the year, or you're mm-hmm. paying four dollars a month if you don't do it by the year. So. So that's really great. I'm glad you're still using it. Um, the reason I'm asking a little bit is because we rolled out a time tracking app service throughout our office um, mm. about the same time, right after you were talking about this app, got me on the on the got me thinking about ways to start doing incorporating time tracking in our our team, and we had to end up going with a different platform. We're using Harvest. But only for one main reason. Harvest does something very similar. It's a, you know, it's a, let's see if I can show it up here. Harvest works the same way. It is an app that will just uh, allow you to click in time and assign it to different projects and track your time. The reason we went with Harvest is because of another recommendation I gave several months ago was the app Asana. You recall Asana is kind of a, really nice project management tool where you can put in projects and collaborate with other people and put in tasks and all that. Well, Asana has a direct integration with Harvest. So any project we set up in Asana, I can have automatically show up as a project to choose from in Harvest when we're logging time. And that time in Harvest gets piped into Asana so I can pull up a report in my project management that shows time we've tracked on this. So that's the only reason we went with this tool as opposed to mm. time or any of the others you mentioned. Um, it's because of that integration that we were using. So, um, so Alan, does this one, it looks like a, it's an app and a web interface. I'm assuming, is it also phone, mobile, mobile tracking, that sort of thing? Yeah. Yeah. It's got all the same things. It's a, got a mobile app. It's a, uh, has a desktop app. It can even be a little, it's a little desktop widget up in the top. You can drop okay. in a menu bar. Nice. Um, it does and not have the quite pricing, the, that's, uh, it's not Second. good. <laughs> well, for, for group pricing, it's probably makes well, sense, yeah. right? It's $10 per month per person, but that's because it does integrate with our project management software. And mm-hmm. it's higher, it's unlimited seats, unlimited projects, which is where we're needing right now, unfortunately. Um, so and yeah, what is, I'm not crazy what, is seats? what does that mean? Like individual seats. people, like I've got all five of our team members. Oh, okay. So it's not, yeah. It's so it's $10 for your company a month, right? No, $10 per seat, $50 yeah. a month. Oh, I got you. Per seat. Yeah. A month. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm not reading it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, I'm, yeah, I'm so not that's happy pricey. about the pricing, but it's unfortunately mm-hmm. it's the only option that would yeah, do that project management. Otherwise, I'd have to keep going in every time we add a project on the uh, one project management yeah. tool. I got to go add that project on the time tracking. And then I got to feed the hours from there if I want to do a report in our project management. I'll have to bring those hours back in. It's just, I don't like paying 50 bucks a month for it, but it's 50 bucks of time that I'm saving, not having to do this manually that I would have to do every month anyway. So, hmm. plus it also is nice for billing purposes. You can put in, uh, hourly rates per project per different task. So if you really wanted to be calculating, you know, how much money time you're spending on certain things, you could say, all right, well, this client has a budget of $1,500 a month that we can spend on it. So I'm going to notify you if the collective hours across your team on this project are getting at 75% of that budget, 
throughout the month. Hmm. So you can start to see, okay, well, how many hours are we really putting in versus the budget that we have for this, this client per month and notifying us if we're going over our hours or if we're drastically under as we get later in the month. So there are some nice things to it. I'm not happy with the pricing. I wish it was a cheaper option that would work the way we want it to, but that's all we've got. So, uh, yeah, yeah. So anyway, I, now, unfortunately, if I were to pull up my time tracking for even like this past week, uh, it would not be accurate because I'm not very <laughs> good at tracking my time. I do a horrible job of it. Um, I think, I think just about everybody in my team does a pretty bad job. We're, we're, <laughs> none of us are good at tracking our time. Well, I tell you, like I said, I would be really bad at it if it wasn't the automatic and the reminders. So you can, the other piece you can, you can set up is say, you know, I say at nine o'clock in the morning, put me a, a ping, me a notification that says, did you want to start a timer? You don't have a timer going yet. So just a reminder to go, oh yeah, I guess I am working on something or so I should words, go back and the, fill something that's in. The, yeah. right? That's the, uh, you are working, right? I mean, you, you are working on something. Okay, good. Just want to make sure. You could put that reminder every hour, but like, by the way, are you still not working? Are you still not working? Hey, Brian, I haven't seen you do anything today. (laughs) Are you you okay? Yeah, we're going to need those TPS reports. (laughs) That would actually be a really funny reminder to put in there. Yeah. All right. Well, good. I'm glad to hear time is still working for you. If I was uh, not working with a team that I needed to share hours with and working with an already established project management system, Time, I when you showed me time, I'm like, yes, this would be perfect for me. I would use yeah. this all day long, but I just, I have to unfortunately roll with a different option because of what we want to integrate with. So, yeah. Okay. Well, good. That's a good follow up on that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, did that help you given your lack of preparation that give you some extra time? You gave there, me, or, or is Harvest your, just, your pick now? <laughs> you gave me just enough time, man. Just enough time. Great. To something new. We're good. Um, nice. Let's go ahead and jump into our new letters and tech suggestions for the month. And uh, Brian, since you did that time time update uh, first, that's kind of a reminder of where we where we are with uh, some past ones. How about if I go ahead and bring up a, a new one first? Let's do it. Yeah. Right? Okay. So let me. Um, this is a little bit of a follow up to a previous one, but this is a, now an additional brothers and tech suggestion on top of one that I gave before. I explained to you a few months ago, I'm looking over my shoulder here because we had the uh, automated curtains. Okay. For anybody who was not with us in that episode, uh, we had, I had put in as a brothers and tech suggestion several months ago, I put in a, what's called a switch bot, um, switch bot uh, curtain. Uh, I believe this actually the name of it. Switch bot. Uh, let's get the name right here. Switch bot curtain rod. Let me show you what that looks like here. Um, here we go. So this is an automated uh, curtain opening and closing mechanism that works with your uh, your home automation software. Now, that's the way it kind of fits into your curtain. It works really nice. You have two of them if you have a double open curtain. I've got that working right now in the curtain over my shoulder here. So if I were to go into HomeKit and say if I wanted to close that curtain, I can now pull the slider on my HomeKit. And as you can see behind me, they are closing. Okay. Ah. Really cool. I love it. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Here was the one drawback with that when I bought that product. And we talked about this is that it did not have HomeKit 
integration. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, it was one of those tools where you could use it. It had its own app that you could get on your phone for SwitchBot, the company that makes it, that will let you to control it. And it would work with Alexa or work with uh, Google. Um, what's the Google? Yeah, Home. Uh, Google yeah. Home. Yeah, Google yeah. Home. Mm-hmm. But it would not work with my home kit. I had to go in and rig up a uh, using the RF hack that we talked about a while back, the little RF receiver, go in and program that, find the codes for it. It was kind of a mess to get it. But once I got it, it worked. It worked fairly good. I mean, it was uh, maybe there were times occasionally where the curtains would not open all the way up when they're supposed to. Little tweaks, little things that kind of uh, were a little bothersome with it. But it worked for the most part. I was pretty happy with it. Well, the company SwitchBot actually just released a new product. And this is called the SwitchBot Hub 2. There's a couple reasons I want to give this as a suggestion. I have one here to show. Okay. Ooh, ah. This is a hub. It is a hub just like you would get for any other home automation system where it is a little device you plug into your network. And it's meant to communicate with the devices that are made by this manufacturer in your home network. But the Hub 2 does a couple things a little different. First off, let me hide this. As you can see from my demo, it is an actual little screen. It's got a little stand on it. So you can set it anywhere you want. That is obviously temperature you're seeing there. It has humidity across the top as well. Now, I've got it turned off right now, but there are actually two buttons. Oh, right there they are. Oh, yeah. That you can program on the front of this to do different things. And you can actually make them hot buttons to trigger actions or scenes as well. So imagine you've got this just sitting on your desk. It's just a nice little keeping tab- tabs on your, your temperature and humidity. But if you had a couple of programmable things you wanted the, to do, let's say if I wanted to have the curtains open and I just mm-hmm. want to do it right here from my desk, I could just program that as a hot button and do it. The reason there, Brian, I'm bringing this up as a suggestion is because this is one of the early devices that has been rolled out that has the thread or I'm sorry, matter, uh, matter, matter ah, technology okay. communication in it. So SwitchBot announced that, you know, this device supports HomeKit via matter. So what that means is that if you already own the uh, SwitchBot curtains, which I did automatically by rolling this hub out, it makes, makes it HomeKit enabled. Now work with HomeKit nice. automatically out of the box. Nice. So it's backward compatible with some of their older devi- older products. So by, you know, I took out the, the smaller, cheaper little hub that I had before, swapped it out with the new hub, and right away, as soon as I did, it gave me the option to go ahead <laughs> and take these products and map them in the HomeKit. I opened up HomeKit. They show up as new devices. Now I can control them without having to use that RF receiver. So for those, if I'm saying some words that are maybe getting a little complicated for some people, the reminder here is that you know not every device that comes out for home automation is equipped to work with every platform. Unfortunately, HomeKit, Mac, the Apple platform is the one that kind of gets the short, short end of the stick on a lot of products. I think because it is a little more expensive to create for the HomeKit environment. So a lot of products don't always incorporate HomeKit compatibility right off the bat. Matter is a new kind of industry standard across multiple companies, including Apple, 
in Google and Amazon that have collaborated to say, this is a new technology we're going to let companies incorporate into their products that will allow their products to work with any home automation platform regardless. So in other words, the manufacturer doesn't have to make this uh, to be HomeKit compatible. It just becomes HomeKit compatible if you have a Matter-enabled device, okay? So they've started rolling out, some companies rolling out these products. This is the first one I've actually brought into my home, and it was because I really wanted to get those curtains to be native HomeKit operational and not the uh, kludgy way I was having to do it before. Yeah. So, so far, so good. It works flawlessly. I mean, the curtains work very, very reliably now. Never have any issues. I don't have to worry about using that HomeBridge RF connection hack anymore. Um, it's just a nice feeling. And plus, it's just kind of a nice little device. I mean, it's kind of a nice. Yeah, it is cool looking. Yeah. It works here really nicely on the desk. I mean, not that I need to know what my temperature is all the time when I'm sitting here at the desk, but um, it's not a bad looking device on its own. So, so. The, can that so the, can that screen change? Can you, say, make that a, uh, a clock? I have not found a way to make it a clock. No. Okay. Clock would have been. It seems like that would be pretty cool for me because I keep talking about how I'd like to have a clickable way of turning my lights off after my wife is already asleep and I don't have to say the words out loud to say goodnight. That would be really cool if that was a kind of a bedside where you could just make it nice and Yeah, but I don't think there is any way to do that, which is a little hmm. bit of a bummer. I mean, I don't need a temperature just sitting here on my desk sure. looking at me the whole time. I wish it was a little more functional. I haven't started so They wanted it to be like a thermostat, right? I mean, that's what they yeah. wanted to be on the wall. Yeah. Now, a couple of things it does do nice is it does have, uh, if you program in the actual app to notify you if certain temperatures get above or below a certain level, it actually can do sounds from the device itself. So it actually has built-in alert sounds which is kind of nice. So I can actually say, okay, well, by the way, if, you know, let me know if uh, humidity starts to kind of get high or low in a certain area or temperature starts to creep up a little bit more in any direction, just go ahead and notify me. And it does have not only pushing app notifications to you, but it can do a sound right from the device itself. Um, Again, the, the only reason I bought it is because I wanted to have that seamless integration with my products. And, uh, so did you that, say what the uh, the cost was for the hub? I have not yet. Um, okay. Uh, one other thing I'll just mention before I get to the cost. It also is ambient lighting sensor. So another thing you can tell it to do is if you wanted to do a little programming on it and say, if this light sensor, if this uh, if the light drops in a certain to a certain degree, then turn on the lights in the room or oh, something. Again, because it's HomeKit nice. compatible, mm-hmm. you can now start to script it that way. So having a light sensor in there is kind of nice because I don't have anything in the room that really detects the lighting in the room. This device now does. I have everything based on time of the day or sunset mm. or sundown. But if I say, look, hey, if it starts to get really dark, like it's storming outside or it's really dark clouds, go ahead and crank the lights up in here. This has a light sensor on it, so it could do that. Um, the pricing yeah, cool. on it, uh, $70. So okay. not cheap uh but i am planning on rolling out at least two more curtains uh automations in here so right away that starts to kind of make sense and once i get that in place to do that um 
So 70 bucks for the hub too. They do still sell the original hub, which is only like about $40, but that original hub is not matter compatible. So you would still have to, if you were going to use it with HomeKit, any smart switch bot devices, you would still have to figure out some way to, to hack that together. Um, natively out of the box, switch bot devices work with uh, Alexa and Google with no problem. They have a nice kind of array of products. They got the different blinds and curtain rods. They've got some home security devices. Uh, they've got some light bulbs. Um, overall, pretty good. They, again, the, the curtains are the only thing I've really gotten into playing with. Um, have you ever, Brian, the scene, I'm, I'm getting a little off topic here, but have you ever seen the actual, oh, where is it? Um, yeah, the switch bot. Here it is. The actual switch bot bot. Have you seen mm-hmm. this? No. Okay. Oh, wait a minute. Is that a, is that a manual? A yeah. manual click? Oh, geez. Yep. Okay. This is, this is what they got started doing before they rolled out other home automation devices. This is a product. I have, this is not my recommendation. I've never used it, but it just looks fascinating. It is basically, you see the background. <laughs> it is taking manual switches. What for those on audio, if you have a push button or an older style light switch or something that there's not a way to automate it, <laughs> this is a box you can affix directly below or to the side of your switch. And the box has an actual little re- retractable movable arm device that is meant to reach out and click your light switch or push it in a direction you want to. Um, wow. Yeah. So that's what this I mean, thing does. Look, they've even done it for, you see it on a coffee maker here. If it's a button (laughs) that can be activated by a sliding switch coming over, you could actually do it. Um, I think it's really, I've not found a good application yet, but I'm I was going to say the the coffee, the coffee maker is an interesting one, right? Because we've talked about this before where you can't just make a coffee maker smart by putting it into a smart plug. Right, because if I just plug and turn my coffee maker or plug my coffee maker in, it doesn't start brewing. It needs the button to be pushed to start brewing, right? So this is a way of keeping your coffee maker on all the time and having the manual push button actually start to brew at a certain time, right? You've set it up and yeah. you. So yeah, turning old devices into uh, things that were set up not to just. So so if turning power on something, actually makes it. Uh, not work yet, but just turns it on. I'm even thinking, Alan, you talked about an air conditioning unit, right? If you go and plug an air conditioner in, it just powers it up. It doesn't necessarily turn it on, but if you had a manual push button to turn the on and on button at that point, mm-hmm. maybe then you start to get, you know, the use of this, right? It's possible. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah that's, that's interesting. Possible. It does show in their diagrams, you know, it cannot work with a very, very basic traditional light switch. Mm-hmm. But it can work as saying with like a little more modern toggle switch for a light switch yep. or other little ones that basically this box has to affix in the, just the right position to where the little retractable arm will actually <laughs> depress or slide over whatever button you need to turn on. Anyway, I nice. just thought this was really fun. Here's one with an alarm clock. <laughs> you see it on top of the alarm clock. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Oh, that's anyway, fun. 
That's fine. Uh, so that is the actual original Switch bot bot. But again, not my suggestion. I just think it's a cool product. I'm kind of looking for, I keep looking in my house for where could I try this out and try to use this. Um, but my recommendation was the actual Switch bot hub. Um, again, a little more pricey than I wanted it to be, but I do love yeah. having completely integrate my uh, curtains into my home kit. And now I'm a little more likely to look at the products that they're selling. If there's ever a new product I want to get in the home, if it's already going to work with this hub, and that's just saves me having to get one, another, another stupid hub for another yeah. vendor, which unfortunately I've got three of them right now and I'm trying to figure out how to consolidate them as best as possible. So, Well, $70 is not cheap, but it's also, I have yet to find hubs for less than 50 I mean, they, they're always hitting you with 50 up to a hundred, hundred plus sometimes, depending on what it will do. So yeah, my favorite companies you. are the ones that release products that do not require a hub. That yep. is, yep. that is great. I wish that was the case here, but unfortunately I cannot find another good curtain opening automation that works as well as this one does. So that's where I am. Hmm. That was my uh, recommendation is the SwitchBot hub Two. If that is a, a reason for maybe somebody to pull the trigger and doing the curtains or some other things in a home kit environment, this is the way now to do it. So, Very nice. Well, yeah. I am going to change. I'm going to do a, a, a little shift here of change what mm-hmm. I was going to uh, have as my my first pick based on what you just presented. So, Alan, okay. I'm going to... Uh, I'm going to show something that I think you'll appreciate now that uh, I, I've heard what you've said. Um, so, Alan, if you want to go ahead and share my screen, so I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to show you what I have recently uh, installed in my house for a couple of different reasons, which is the Casa uh, HomeKit Smart Dimmer Switch. And so, what this is is a and this is the three pack, what, and I bought a three pack. Yeah. Can oh, you yeah, stretch out it. that window just a little bit? No, just stretch yeah. it out. Just uh, take oh, the window you. and kind of make it a little more rectangular. Yeah, that starts to fill there in a go. little bit better. And you can zoom. Yeah. There we go. Great. Okay. Perfect. Thank you. Yeah. So my, my old eyes, I know I'm only a few you years need older. Help. I the know. eyes I know. go downhill so completely. I, sh- I should have remembered. I should have remembered. I'm going to talk a little louder too so you can hear me, yeah, Alan. Please. Um yeah. So actually, these are these are light switches, um, and so let me give you my dilemma, Alan. We uh, we just, I think you knew we we just built kind of an extension on our house that was kind of an outdoor living space where they were putting in lights, and I really, yeah, act surprised, right? You you don't keep up with me at no, all. No, no, no. I'm sorry. No, it's about something else. Go ahead. I'll I'll, I'll explain okay. my surprise in a minute. So okay, um, so we were putting kind of this extension on our house um, where we were going to have some cam lights put into this new area and the cam lights, there were going to be four cam lights. And I was, you know, initially I told the builder, I said, listen, I want to make these smart lights. I want to make sure that I can control these because I don't like having very bright lights in an outdoor space, but I also want to make sure I have lights. So, so with these cam lights, obviously the way you would normally control those would be, all of those can lights on one switch, right? You turn the switch on. So my first thought was, okay, I could look for four different light bulbs, smart bulbs, so that I could go and say, turn on, you know, turn on the outdoor lights and have them all grouped together. 
But then I thought that, no, that's crazy, right? I really need just the switch to be smart because that's the way I'm going to control. I don't ever see myself having a need to control two of the four or one of the four. Mm -hmm. So what I started looking for was a good smart switch that would allow me to dim. That's the other thing that's really important here, that it's dimmable. Um, a lot of the smart switches aren't dimmable. So you could put in a smart switch that allow you to go into HomeKit or Alexa or one of these other services and say, turn on that light. And it's just a just a on and off, right? Click on and off. But I needed something that was dimmable. Um, and then I also wanted the ability to hopefully move it to um, HomeKit in the future if I decide to go that direction. So this is what I came up with. It is for Casa. And the reason I like it, one, you mentioned earlier, there is no hub, right? No hub required for Casa. Casa, TC, uh, what is it, TP-Link, right? They don't require a hub. And I have a couple of other switches in my house that are from Casa. And they've always worked well. They're not the most... Uh, they're not the sexiest of devices all the time. You know, they're pretty simple uh, outlets on and off. But I ended up using these. And what's nice about them is they will fit into a regular light switch area. I ended up putting two of these next to each other. Okay, so on our outdoor space now, we have a, a center light that's like a chandelier light. And then we have four can lights that are all on one switch. So there's two switches for the the, can, the chandelier light and for the can lights. I made them both smart, put them both into a, what, a dual gang, you know, the, the, mm -hmm. the double gang um, light switch uh, box. They both fit, um, linked them both up, and uh, it actually did a really nice job. So I can now say through, the, uh, through Alexa, Alexa, turn on the outdoor chandelier to 20% or turn it on to, you know, 100%. Mm -hmm. Or I can group them both together and say, turn on the outdoor living area to 50%. And it does both of those together because I've grouped them. So works really well. Uh, Price-wise, it's one of the best prices that I found for these types of switches. So is, uh, for those who can't see that, that's $60 for a three-pack. So you can get three of these um, so to be able to do My that. eyes got big at the beginning of your recommendation for two reasons. One, I did not know that uh, CASA had, or CASA or whatever they're pronounced tp link yeah. yep had released um light switches that were home kit compatible and then two the price yeah 60 yeah. bucks for three is pretty nice so, yep uh, yep and it's it's nice now i read a lot of the reviews of these and and you'll see a lot of these out there some that are not the brand name that casa is you'll see some that are just you know, chinese company makes one and says oh it's dimmable and it's whatever and if you start reading the reviews you'll see didn't last very long or the buttons are not, you know, easy to, to click. I'm not, I'm not the biggest fan of the way these buttons work. Uh, let me just tell you quickly how that works, Alan, if I zoom in here. All right. So you can see, let's see, there's, there's two buttons at the top of the, uh, of the switch. And those are the kind of dimmer up and down. So if I were to click the, uh, the top right button, I could keep clicking it and it would make it brighter, click the left and make it dim. Uh, the center button is actually just a toggle switch. So that that big center button, you click it once and it's on, you click it again and it's off. Um, so it's not a toggle up and down, it's just one click in, um, which is okay. Uh, but the beauty is we've inst we installed those two, three months ago. 
and I have yet to actually touch the buttons because everything just does by voice. So, um, so that's Brian, nice. question. Yep. If yep. you, uh, if you go up or down on a dimmer on the dimmer level and get it to a certain mm-hmm. level and then you hit yep. the big toggle button, it remembers and then you, yep. it remembers it. So you yes. toggle it back on, it does come back up to that dimmer level you said. Correct. Before. Correct. Yeah. If you did everything manual, you say you put it up to 50%, turn it off, it goes to zero, turn it back on and it goes to 50 again. Good. Yep. Okay. Great. Yep. Good. And so it's, hmm. it's really nice. It does a nice, as you see here, it's got the fade on and off. It's not a kind of just all on really quickly. It does a nice, you know, fade to, to turn on and fade to turn off. And it's, it does a nice job with that. Um, and even the, uh, the setup of this, I thought was pretty interesting, Alan. I had not uh, done one of these switches before, but you went into the app, the, the Casa app, and it would say, all right, we're going to turn this on all the way. And we're going to have you kind of click down the dimmer on the app until it starts to actually make your light change. So what I noticed initially is that depending on your bulb, it may, you know, 20% may show up as nothing. Mm, 40% shows that it's on, but you Mm. go and you dial that in you say, okay, right there is the first time I see the light and right there is the highest I've seen the light. So it changes. That's now the zero and hundred percent and adjust it from there. So, so this was really great. Um, You know, I've uh, I'm, working on ways to try to use the third one in a, in uh, in another area, but I bought it for the two getting two at this price or getting three at this price was even better than getting two at some other companies. So um, yeah, I, uh, so far I highly recommend it. And as you see, not only is it Alexa, Google home, smart things, but also the, uh, uh, sorry, Alexa's talking to me. Um, but also the home kit, which was uh, which was a big thing I know for you. Yeah. So everybody, I hope everybody understands and pays attention to the fact there is the HomeKit tax on top of this. They make a version that is not HomeKit yeah. compatible for twelve dollars yep. cheaper. Um, the HomeKit version is twelve dollars more. So you do just like everything with Apple and Mac, you end up paying a little bit more for. Uh, yep. To get it. To yep. Work. You're right. But, um, yeah. Now this other one, I was just noticing there's fifty dollar one. Let's see what this one does because it seems to look like it's saying. Home kit. It's not a difference here. Oh, there's not a difference. So, and that's the other big thing. Yeah, make sure you you know not all. You would think that as a smart switch, it would just naturally be dimmable, right? You know, because it's going to go and give a certain amount of power, but it doesn't. You also need to make sure though your lights themselves are dimmable. Yeah, make sure you have the dimmable bulb and the dimmable fixture itself. The fixture needs to be dimmable, and the bulb needs to be dimmable, and all of that stuff. So, but yeah, this is good. Good. Yeah. I yep. like the price. I like uh, HomeKit out of Go the back. box. I like No Hub. It's all it's no all Hub's good stuff. So I have definitely yep. uh, got this one beer, bookmarked as something to consider to Sweet. myself as well. Good. All right. All um, right. You got another one? I do. I do. And I, Brian, I can't remember. <laughs> I cannot remember if I've mentioned this app or not. But I've got a reason for recommending Probably. it, even Go if ahead. I haven't before. Even if I have mentioned it before, there's at least a reason I'm going to bring it up again. Um, desktop or, or um, financial management software. You know, we've talked about some different services. We even had episodes in the past where we talked about some different services available for people to manage their money, manage their finances, manage their investments, and so forth. I And I use some online services to do some different 
aspects of my financial management, but I've always used a desktop app to make sure I am. That's my checking account management. That's my credit card management. That's my investment management all in one app. And it's a desktop app, but also having a mobile app is a nice function as well. And again, I cannot remember if I've recommended this or not, but this is the app MoneyWiz. Uh, I am bringing it up, even if it's been suggested before, I'm bringing it up again for a very, very key reason. MoneyWiz is the app I use for personal finance. It has gone through several iterations. I really like the latest version. It's very, uh, it's very easy, simple to use, uh, graphically pleasing to look at. Um, it does everything you need to do. It'll sync up with your bank uh, to download transactions and sync them on your, your checking account. You can have a cloud sync of your account. So that means if you uh, install the app on your phone or on your iPad or any other device, you can sync them all together. So it's always got it, each other up, up to date. Um, let's see here. Um, yeah, you basically go in, create all your accounts. It'll do automatic updates whenever you open up the app. It uses a, a kind of a one of those online transfer transmission services mm-hmm. to communicate with your bank and tra- uh, download transactions. You can set up budgets. You can do all the things a good personal finance app ought to do. It has a really nice bill reminder. Like you can go in and put in every month on a schedule and say, well, look, the 10th of every month, I normally have this bill come in. So go ahead and put it on there as a reminder. And it will come up and remind you, oh, hey, has this bill come in? And if you want to put in the exact amount or you want to go ahead and put this in your cash flow to pay it, it can manage all that as well as, as well as automatically forecast all of your income, uh, paycheck deposits, whatever. You can forecast all of those and put them on a schedule and it's pretty nice. I've been using this app for a while. I think because years ago I struggled with finding a really good desktop app that I wanted to use for managing all this. And when I first started using this, MoneyWiz was not my first choice because I didn't like the earlier version of the app. They have made a lot of improvements. It's now to a point where I really do think it's a good app. The reason I'm recommending it, though, is because I had been paying a monthly fee to use this app um, because the uh, set app, the set app subscription of of, of the software that you and I have talked about plenty of times Mm -hmm. that I am still a subscriber for. Setup had a subscription as part of the subscription. You could get the older version of MoneyWiz as part of the subscription. I had some problems with the older version. I had some downloading issues with my bank. It was not syncing up with my bank correctly. It was just having some issues. And I, when I wrote and talked to the developers, they basically said, yeah, we're not really developing that old version anymore. Mm-hmm. We're sorry. The new version has kind of got some new new tools to communicate with banks is much more reliable. So I bit the bullet and went ahead and paid the monthly subscription to use the new version of MoneyWiz begrudgingly, because I don't like paying for an app that I already had a free ver- or paid for yeah. version of already, but I really needed this to work. And it was, I, I'm pretty, it's pretty critical for me, but it just, uh, in the last month, this latest new version of MoneyWiz is now available on the set app subscription. Hmm. So again, nice. my recommendation is still really for setup because <laughs> okay. then I'm recommending setup. If you are not already have at least looked at setup, setup, that's S E T A P P.com for $9 and 99 cents a month. You get 
access to well over a hundred apps on your Mac that you can pick and choose which ones that you want to use at any given time. It already has some of our favorite apps on it. Clean my Mac, which is something I live by every week for keeping up with uh, the maintenance on my Mac and so forth. There's at least eight or nine apps I use on a regular basis mm. with this. And I know we've talked about this service so many times, but I am saying right now, another reason that I'm happy I'm a set app subscriber is that money Wiz, an app I really do use daily for financial management uh, is now on the, the latest version of it, which is really nice is on set app automatically. So it was a, such a nice satisfaction, Brian, to cancel my monthly subscription to an application yeah. Say, nope, I don't want to pay that anymore <laughs> every month and instead just open up the version that came with setup, log in with my account and boom, I'm there. It's paid for. I don't have to pay anything more anymore. So, um, so that's my recommendation there. The website for money Wiz is whiz.money. And uh, I think it's great. If you don't have setup, the pricing on this is uh, $4.99 a month. Just five bucks a month for access to what you need. Um, and that's the premium, right? That's what setup gives you is premium or the standard. Yeah, no, it's the premium because I've got nice. all the bank okay. syncing. Yeah, you can do $24.99 a year and it has cloud syncing between devices, but it doesn't do your bank sync. The bank sync comes with the premium and that is what's on setup. Setup has got the okay. premium because I am syncing with my banks and it's working great. Um, so I'm saving $5 a month basically is what I was okay. was doing. So already that paid for half of my setup of subscription, which is nice. So I think that's great. Um, but again, it, some people can use some online websites and there's a lot of different tools mint. I know we've talked about mm -hmm. some other ones comparable to that. Many people I'm sure can, can manage everything on those, those uh, services and feel good about it with me for a lot of budgeting, forecasting, and just needing to have it kind of local on my computer and not be based on a website is my preference in managing with this. And this is the app I'm, I'm happy to be using right now. So nice. Yeah, that's good. I don't, I don't think you've brought that up before. So oh, good. That's okay. Good. Nope. I think yeah, the app you. itself doesn't do anything revolutionary. It's a very standard, you know, enter your accounts, uh, check your, you know, kind of calculates the net worth for you every, every time you log in. Uh, update your investment accounts if you've got them logged in real time. Um, yeah, it's, it's a pretty, pretty straightforward, but it looks really nice. It's very easy to use. It is cross-platform, so everything, or cross-platform between Mac and iOS. And uh, so overall, it's, it's, it's good. And now I don't have to beat myself up paying five bucks a month for it anymore. So I'm very happy about nice. that. So, yeah. Well, unfortunately, you are slowly starting to pull me back towards setup. I am. I have not been with setup in a couple of years now, and uh, I realized that I'm now using a calendar BusyCal that's part of setup, and I miss Clean My Mac as part of setup. And now you just gave me a third one that I think would be really helpful. So um, yeah, well, Brian, there are pulling me back in. There are twelve apps I use on a regular basis with setup. Hmm. I'm oh. using. To do is my uh, to do list for my personal to do items. Uh, I use Bartender, which is the menu bar uh, organizer that uh, allows yep. you to kind of uh, keep your menu bar a little tidier with icons. I use BusyCal as my calendar right now. That mm -hmm. is part of it. Busy Contacts is kind of the supplement for the uh, address book I use. 
ChronoSync Express is a nice synchronization I use for anytime I want to take a drive, an external drive I've got, and I want to duplicate it to another drive. It can sync it up really nice. Clean my Mac I use. Yep. It's got a VPN app on it that I use whenever I'm traveling, and I just want to kind of turn on a VPN to keep secure. Downy is the app that allows you to download videos off of YouTube or Vimeo, yep. which I use about daily. Forklift is my FTP app I use for uh, a lot of web work I do. I need to get FTP access to a lot of servers. And then MoneyWiz, the app I just hmm. talked about. So that's that's worth $9.99. Yeah, for sure. You, so, yeah, you absolutely yeah, are making use of it. That's great. Yeah. Very cool, Alan. Yeah, I think you may have given me something to uh to try do you know do they have a a trial period a trial on which oh on just money whiz to see um, if it's worth i know they've got it on setup so i guess i could a one, do setup trial it's a one week trial okay, okay. one week trial on money whiz and okay. uh setup i mean setup yeah. i think does a one week as well doesn't it i don't know i've got it right here let's see Set up for seven days. Yep. Yep. Try okay. free for seven days. So yeah, I might. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Seven days is just long enough to feverishly try to get it all set up and installed. And uh, <laughs> probably maybe not enough time to really put it through spaces, but you know. Nice. Do you have a all second right. one, Brian? Or I, I do. I have. Cash out here. Nope. I, I do. I, I've got one more and, and this okay, one will cool. be fairly fast because I can tell you that I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to give you a recommendation for something that one, I don't think you'll need Alan. I'm not sure us or any of our friends might need, um, but yet I found myself needing it for a very particular use case. And so I mm -hmm. thought I would uh, share it with you. So one of the things with uh, some of the, the consulting work that I do where we're working with uh, mobile applications and trying to get these apps to, to run efficiently and all of that, and I had never really paid attention much to the overheating of mobile devices and how mm. that can affect mm -hmm. the the performance. Because you know, for us, if you're using your phone and scrolling websites or you're you know looking, even playing a game, that you may not notice that it's the the frame rate might be changing. The, if you're using video, the video frame rate might change. The ability to process certain things start to change. When your phone overheats in any device, any device overheats, the performance starts to suffer. So I knew that was the case with computers. Uh, I guess I didn't really thought that that would also be the case with phones. I know sometimes I've used my phone maybe with video and all of that where it started to get warm, uh, but didn't realize the, uh, the the degradation of performance until I started looking at things like frame rates and all of that and seeing that heat was absolutely affecting the performance of some of the things we were doing. So, so interestingly, we thought, well, how are we going to continue to use this? Are we going to have ice packs that we throw on there? Are we going to, you know, turn it off and make sure we turn the screen off and set it aside, but we can't use it for more than a few minutes in a row because it was a right. heavy processing. And turns out they actually make <laughs> what we call, what they call phone coolers. So this is a fan that goes on the clips on the back of your phone and will help cool it down. So here's the phone that I've been mm -hmm. using. And I just actually turned an app on that would uh, make it warm up a little bit. And I'm going to throw that away. Oh, let me and see if I so can this one, 
I want to see if I can get you bigger on the screen. Hold it on here just a minute. Okay. Nope. Well, let not me do this way. other way. All right. There we go. go. Mm -hmm. All right. So here's the phone cooler. You can see it's just a fan um, okay. that clips onto the back of the, the phone. So you'll see now it's on the back of the phone, mm -hmm. right? I'm just going to turn it on. Where's the on button? Yep. Okay. And I don't think... Yeah, you can probably barely hear it. I'm going to put it up to the microphone. I hear it. Sure. You can oh, barely yeah. hit a fan, right? Okay. Yep. You can't really hear it. I can't hear it with my headphones in. But what's nice about this particular one, um, and I, and again, I'm putting it up here close to where the the cameras are, and that's where a lot of the heat builds up if you're, you know, using uh, using the phone a lot. And sure enough, this this particular one, and I'm going to, I'm going to share a, a screen with you here. Mm-hmm. And there we go. Let's see. So this one that I grabbed is called the Fun Cooler 3 Pro. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Actually, and I don't know if it's exactly that one, honestly. I think it's the same. It's the Fun Cooler. Yeah, it is the Fun Cooler 3, but it doesn't look like that. It doesn't have do a you, light on it. Um, do you have fun when you're using it? I mean, is yeah, it, is you know, I'm 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 loving the use of it. Um okay. so what it does is it's actually got these heat sinks in it. And for those that don't know, heat sinks are kind of ways in which it's pulling heat from the, the device. It's the way that they put these, you know, metal and heat sinks in computers to be able to pull heat away from where it would degrade your performance. Um, what's really cool about this one, Alan, and I've actually tried two because we had a real issue with this. I tried one that magnets on the back, um, and then the other one that clips on here, but this one is, as you can see here, this, um, well, let's see if no, it's not really telling you, uh, somewhere down here, it would say that it does a, well, it does a ramp up which is kind of nice, right? I, I tried it originally, put it on, and I thought, oh, wait a minute, it doesn't work. It's not doing anything. And it actually didn't start turning on until the heat built up enough that it needed to start dissipating. And then, so as I'm using it, I can hear the sound get louder and louder and louder over the, the few minutes that tells me, oh, my phone's getting warm, so it's trying to keep it cool. And it does a really nice job. If I were to, if I were to run this about two or three minutes, take it off and feel the kind of silicone back in there. I mean, it's almost, almost frosty, icy, right? I mean, it really kind of cools down what, um, what it's connected to. And it just give you a real world kind of, um, you know, idea of, of what it's doing. I tried, I tried the, um, the phone, the Android phone that I've been using for some of our research I tried using it with one of these kind of high processing applications and just had it turned on and let it go to see how long it would take before we started seeing a lot of degradation of performance. And it took four minutes, four minutes mm -hmm. before we started losing a lot of frame rates and what we were doing. Wow. So I tried putting the cooler on, putting the cooler on, running it, and then running the exact same app. And it went 30 minutes and did not get below our frame rate at all. So this does a really oh, nice job of kind of good. giving you. So if you are a gamer, if you're someone who games a lot, does things on a phone and you find yourself really needing performance or you find yourself ever holding your phone and going, oh, wow, I've been using it so much with a high brightness and everything that it's getting warm, uh, you may find that your performance might be suffering. You may not even realize that performance is suffering, but um, 
but I would suggest maybe taking a look at one of these things. I bought this on Amazon. This is the particular site for it, but uh, I bought it through Amazon and I believe, if I'm not mistaken, the the price was maybe, maybe $15 to $20. Um, and so was the other one. You can get several of these for about 20 bucks. Um, they do make some that are battery powered, but that didn't make much sense to me <laughs> because then I'd be charging and having something else that's running on battery. This one is a USB-C cable. So you do, you don't want to yeah. run it with power. So it, so it is something where, I mean, just for clarity, it is something where you, you're using it mounted to the phone, but it's plugged in. It is plugged so this in. This is for where you have a very more kind of either dedicated use of your phone or mobile device or um, gaming, watching movies, game, whatever. Gaming is where most people are doing it. Yeah. Okay. I think gaming or, or as you said, watching movies, if you were, you know, watching a movie um, long period of time and maybe, and they also, you know, if you're plugged in, there's a good chance that the plugging in watching something that's high processing will create even more heat, right. With the, yeah. the battery being plugged in. So it may be that you're now plugging two things in, but at so least all this does. So basically your phone will still run off its own battery. Yes. Yeah, this, this isn't is adding just, anything to it. This is not this adding is. any charging capability to your phone, which is intended right. because, like you said, that actually is kind of creating more heat right. within the phone itself. Your phone is running on its battery. This thing is clamped onto it and is allowing it to run at its most optimal performance without overheating um, for whatever yeah. application you're using it for. It's basically okay. just pulling the heat away from it. It's, it's like putting a fan yeah. on the back of this thing. Alan, I'll show you another one, the one I tested as well. And so here you can see the, the phone. And on the back, I just put this metal plate. Now, you wouldn't need this if you had an iPhone. An iPhone has the magnet built in. But there's another one, and you can hear the sound, right? Mm-hmm. This one can just magnet on. And mm-hmm. sorry there. And then now this like one does the have a light on it, yeah. right? Yeah, it's super, super nice. And magnet is going to be right next to it. Now, I didn't, I didn't want to use the magnet on this one because there was another metal shield that I had to put onto it, um, mm-hmm. which I thought, I don't know if that's going to help or hurt the, yeah. the heat dissipation. Now, if this was an iPhone, I think that would have been the, the right move. Um, but also keep in mind... If your phone on the back, if on the back of your phone, your cameras, if they stick out further than the rest of the phone, which these do, then the magnet won't go above the the cameras. And that and that's where we found a lot of our heat being built up is more toward the top of the phone. So this other clamp on allows me to slide it over the uh, the actual uh, lenses, which is where a lot of that heat was building up. So. So anyway, uh, this was something I didn't even know they made. I was really going to look for just a USB fan <laughs> and try to just push it on the back. I didn't realize yeah. they made phone coolers. Um, and uh, so there we go. Uh, I don't know if they make them for tablets. I'm assuming they probably do. Uh, magnet. Well, the magnet certainly would. Sure. Um, but uh, yeah, hmm. again, not something I, I'm not a gamer. I never knew that that heat was going to be an issue with a mobile device. But if you're a gamer and you use your phones, which I think a lot of people are doing more of now, this may be an issue you want to kind yeah. of remedy. So, well, another application too, is I, I have a studio of you know, video cameras on phones using phones as cameras. Yeah. They're all staying stationary. They're all staying, you know, they run for a couple of hours, but they are processing 4k video that's being fed back to 
our studio equipment for us to do a live production on. This is the kind of thing that could be probably helpful. I, I, I have noticed sometimes when the cameras do get a little warm, um, I've noticed that, yeah, I haven't quite seen any degradation on video performance, yeah. but I've got to imagine there's probably something going on there uh, if it's getting yeah. warmer. So it's or kind maybe of taking longer to process, off. something yeah. like that. Right, mm -hmm. right. Interesting. Yeah, the only thing would be I probably wouldn't use it for video if you were using audio from the the phone as well. No, if no, you no. had remote mics, mm -hmm. then you're good. Yeah, we're using right? external mics that are because this fan will crank outside up. of the phones. Yeah. But um, yeah, it's good. To but know there's two there's sources. two that I just showed you, Alan. The magnet one. The magnet one. The reason I didn't like it as much is you plug it in and it is just full blast going all the time. Mm -hmm. The other one did this really nice kind of ramp up, and then if you were to turn it off, it would also I think shut off and kind of protect itself from overheating or working too long. So there's some really nice parts about that, that you could actually have it on and maybe it doesn't need to work, right? It's not working because you're not overheating yet and it'll turn on when it needs to. So it's kind of a nice okay. little sign to you that, Hey, we're getting warm here and uh, may need to control it. So good. Yeah. The Fun so anyway, Cooler 3 Pro. I did not even gonna, know these existed. So this is uh, I didn't either. Yeah. I didn't either. What's the price so. on them? I'm pretty sure, actually, I'm going to slip back over to where I did purchase it on um, on Amazon, and I will show you. Uh, I mean, are we talking, yeah. Well, this was 25. 25? This one was okay. 25. All this right. one was 25, yep. And that's, there are there are some from $10 to, I think this was one of the, a little bit more expensive ones, probably because it does the ramping up and all of that. Mm. I think the other one was more like 15, that the magnet on, so. So 15 to 25 bucks. You're probably yep. in the neighborhood of these yep. kind of things. Good. Yep. All right. So, yeah. Very nice, Brian. Very nice. Um, good. Okay. Well, we covered a couple of new, new products, a couple of new updates to existing products. It's kind of nice. Smart home stuff. And smart home stuff. Always good. Financial um, and cooling your phone. So, yeah. And just, uh, I'm glad you brought up a couple of the things. I'm glad we talked about home automation a little bit. Cause I'm, I'm trying to identify my next home automation steps in the house. And um, other than getting the rest of these curtains automated, which I've got the, the capability to do now, the one thing you alluded to earlier in the discussion, I just wanted to kind of share this out there. Maybe, maybe I get here some people that have some different ideas of how to handle this. Um, so the one automation tool or project I'm working on, and maybe I'll be able to talk about next time we get around to our bits next month, you mentioned, uh, We've got a separated garage, two-car garage that's separated from the house that has a window in it. We took an old air conditioning unit that used to be in this old house that we are in now, but we removed it when we put in an, a new air conditioning system in here. But that window unit's still very good operational, so we took it and installed it in the garage. So the garage now has a window AC unit in it because my son is an auto mechanic, works on cars daily, is out there quite a bit. It is summertime now. It's very hot out there. Yeah, so that yeah. air conditioning unit really helps uh, out there. My problem is, is that it's not an AC unit that needs to be on all the time. It needs to be on only when he's out there working or uh, something else is happening out there. My fear is I did not want something that was going to be running 24-7 my my kids, my boys are awesome. <laughs> but 
but um, remembering to turn off things is not their strongest suit, um, especially the one in the garage. So my concern is that, you know, the AC unit gets turned on, he leaves, it stays on and we don't know it's on and we're gone for a weekend or something and it's running the entire time. That's my fear. Because it's using a 220 outlet uh, plug, to my knowledge, there are no smart outlets that will control a 220 Mm. voltage device. So I cannot put on a smart outlet and turn it on and off like I can anything else in my house. So I'm kind of having to wrestle with how do I control it uh, and make it work. Now, it does have a RF, a, a infrared remote control that goes with it. So I can take the same RF transmitter that I've talked about in a previous episode, the Broadlink um, FM transmitter. I could use, I could set up one of those out in the garage. And what that allows me to do is tie in that RF transmitter to my HomeKit setup. And I can program it to where I can have a button in HomeKit that says, hey, if I press this button, that turns on or off that AC unit by using the RF signal in the garage. My problem with that is I don't know. It does not report back to me whether the unit is truly on or off. It doesn't know. All it knows is that I have sent an on signal and I've sent an off signal, but it Mm -hmm. is not telling me whether that unit is actually on or off. So I have to just constantly just go in there and hit the off button and just make sure I'm turning it off, even if it's not on. So it's not perfect. And that's where I'm trying to see if there's another solution. So that's my next mm-hmm. little home kit automation project going on just to keep you in the loop. So, yeah, that's, that's tricky. Cause you, yeah, you know, you can make something happen. You just don't know about getting a, you know, a trigger back. I mean, is it, is it, is it enough to, potentially even put a temperature sensor in there and then have the temperature ping you when it's hmm. cool that, or that's an idea know, or that's an idea. Or, I guess you, you wouldn't be doing cool, right? You wouldn't be saying, tell me when it's too cold in there. Uh, Cause that's the challenge, right? Cause it's maybe working just enough yeah. to keep it from getting hot. Well, the other thought I had is I could, I could use a series of some automations to keep it in line. I could set up a schedule to say, look, uh, at at eleven o'clock at night, turn off no matter off, what. I mean, right. Even if it whether right. it's on or off, send the off signal to turn it off. Uh, if 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 my son's out there later than eleven, he can just go and manually turn it back on. But by at least at eleven, I've got a time for it to turn off. And I can also set it up to say if we're all out of the house, meaning we are gone from the house, to make sure it's turned off as well. So there's a couple things I can put in to kind of put some boundaries on it to make sure it doesn't run all the time which is right. the number one goal there. But I'd really, that's the whole thing with this. God, we're getting into another subject matter. And I know this is a bit <laughs> episode, but we got to talk about home automation. I just got to at least throw this out there. That's the only problem with those RF transmitter. They are great, but they do not pick up on whether the device you're turning on and off is already on or off. So a problem I have with just my giving a dumb signal, right? Yep. The problem I've yeah. got with my projector over my shoulder here is that it uses the same button on the remote for on and off. You press it on. If you need to turn the projector off, you hit it twice, the same button. So I programmed it to where I can, from HomeKit, 
tell my projector to turn on or off. But the problem is, is that if the projector stays on on its own, it will turn off automatically after a certain amount of time. But HomeKit doesn't know that. So the projector will turn off. But in my HomeKit, it will still say that the projector is on. Yeah. Yep. So if I go to turn it off, it's not doing anything because the projector is already off. Then I got to go turn it off and then turn it back on again to make it work. You see what I'm saying? Mm, yep. Yep. So it's just, it, I wish these RF transmitters had some way of picking back up the on or off state of the device it's trying to control. But, hmm. you know. Yeah, anyway, that's, that's my uh, that's my challenge right hmm. now. If anybody, that if the problem I just described resonates with anybody out there, please let us know. And that's probably a good way to, to kind of wrap up the show anyway, Brian, unless you had something to add or nope. your own nope. home, home, home I, challenge you're working on right now. Nothing. No, no, I don't have the same challenges you do. I usually figure them out. So, um, but I'll be spending the rest of the, the next week to uh, try to figure out your problems for you. So that'd be great. Well, if anybody wants to see if they can beat Brian in helping solve my <laughs> problem, uh, Brian, how can they reach out to us and let us know? They have a solution for it or just anything else they want to comment on from the show. Yeah. First of all, if you have a solution, why don't you wait a little while just so that I get a chance to fix it. But if you, after that point in time, want to send me a solution, it's info at the mesh.tv. Email us info at the mesh.tv. You can also go to our website, which gives a way to contact us. And that's www.brothers-in-tech.com. All right. That'll do it for today. We're going to go and wrap it up. Thanks for checking out our bits episode. Hope you found some interesting products or services, or maybe just something to keep in mind for the future that case the need arises. Uh, As always, we will continue using these products and be able to report back if there were any issues or things we need to amend our recommendations for in any way, we will certainly do that. Brian is still time tracking. We're happy to hear that. Um, I am. I'm keeping track right now. We're going a little over time. So let's, uh, let's go we ahead and wrap speed it up, it up here. Yep. <laughs> All right. Listen, everybody. Thanks a lot for watching. We will talk to you guys uh, next week. Take care. Bye-bye. You've been listening to The Mesh an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Check us out online at themesh.tv. Discover other network shows and give us feedback on what you just heard.